Hi, and welcome to the Ex-Meal Recruitment Podcast, where we share career advice for service leavers and veterans. I'm Rosie Vilecce, and I'm the Head of Marketing here at Ex-Meal Recruitment. Although I didn't serve myself, I'm an original military brat. My dad served in the Navy for 40 years, and my brother is on year 26 and counting. Throughout this podcast, I will be your hostess. I will interview guests, chat with the XMail team, and facilitate conversations that help veterans like you to get the jobs they truly want. Here's today's episode. Hey, ya, Rosie here with a new episode of the XMail Recruitment Podcast. And today with me, I have Mike Dozen, who served for 10 years as an Army officer specializing in training, design, and delivery and who, after leaving, decided to start his own business. Spoiler alert, that went pretty freaking well. Want to know more? Let's just get to know him and hear all about it. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? I'm really good, Rosie. How are you? Doing all right. Very happy to have you with me today for this episode. So let's just uh, jump straight in. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. So, yeah, Mike Lawson. So I spent just short, actually, of a decade in the British Army predominantly in the learning and development field. So my responsibilities were everything from training design, training delivery, working across a broad spectrum of organizations in the military. So from infantry to specialist trades to niche communities and all the training, delivery of training and design and assurance of training that fell within all those packages. Traveled all over the world doing that. They spent a lot of time in the Middle East as, as is the norm for anyone that was in the British Army at the same time as me, also spent a good amount of time in Southeast Asia, Philippines, Singapore, Brunei, and um, a lot of parts of Central Africa over the last few years, so Somalia, Rwanda, Democratic Republic, Congo. Pretty much doing the same sort of thing everywhere with very different audiences every time. So it got to last, well, year before last, I think it was, and I was like, enough's enough. So I wanted a, wanted a new challenge. So I decided to venture initially into freelance consulting, still in the L&D environment, but um, with more focus on still working within defense, essentially would be quite blunt and honest about it, earning a bit more money doing it as a freelance consultant than what I was getting paid in the British military to do it. And that was great. And that lasted for about three or four months before it really started to gather so much pace to an extent that I was working contracts and being asked to provide, did I know anyone else that? could do this or could do that. So I saw a bit of an opportunity. I was like, well, I do know some of those people, but rather than just reach out and, and connect those people, it would be a good opportunity to do it under the banner of my company. So over the space of about 10 months, we went from me just running a consultancy on my own, very self-employed, one-man band, limited company, bit of money, all that sort of stuff, to 17 consultants working across three different continents. We had everything from working for defense primes to the financial sector, to the education sector. And that was all literally from probably March of last year up until November of this year, where the business got to a year old. It was the first birthday. So yeah, so that's, that's pretty much me. That's where I am. And and now I find myself not so much running contracts anymore, which was the initial plan, but more the admin side of making sure everybody's happy doing client visit, dealing with invoicing, dealing with HR law, which was, if you just said to me 18 months ago, oh yeah, you're going to be doing this. Like, no, I won't. I just want to be working for myself, which I kind of am, but with a few more responsibilities now than I probably initially thought I would have. I mean, I think I'll be a lady at this point and just say fucking hell. Wow. 
It's actually quite interesting. I mean, you said you did it quite recently and it happened quite fast. How did actually all of your transition go? How did you find it? Did you think about any of this before? Did you just, uh, I mean, what happened there? So I'll, I'll kind of start in the middle-ish because it would make more sense to do this way. So I knew I was leaving. I knew that was the plan. I did promote as an officer in the British Army for various reasons. And that was me like, well, if you're not going to promote me, fine, I'm going to go off. And it was a little bit, I'll be quite honest, bit of my dummy out at the time. Well, he's not promoted me, so I'm going to leave because I hate everybody, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Which was fine. And then it got to the point where I was like, well, I'm going to leave, but what am I going to do? And the attempt was to just find a, a permanent job. You know, use that experience I had and find a permanent job. And I sat on my study for one day. And this was like, it was, this was in November of 2021. And I, I turned around to my wife and I was like, I think I'm going to start a company. And she was like, what? I was like, yeah, I'm, You're crazy. I'm set, yeah, I'm going to start a company. She's like, do you even know how to do that? I'm like, nope. But that's what the Google machine saw. So I was Googling stuff. And my wife said to me, she goes, right, I'm going to nip back because our kitchen was upstairs. She's like, I'm going to go and get us a drink. I'm like, brilliant. Thank you. In the time it took her to walk upstairs, pour two drinks and walk back down, I established the company, paid for the share structure and put a deposit down on the company to design a website. She must have been very happy at that point. I'll just say that. Uh, yes. So happy. Yeah. She was intrigued, maybe. Yeah. Fascinated. Surprised. Uh, maybe not. <laughs> yeah. Not so much. And she was, I think the exact term of phrase that came out of her mouth was, are you fucking serious? Right. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yep. What are you going to do with it? And I was like, I don't have a clue. I literally don't have a clue. But I knew I was going to get into contracting and without going into the weird intricacies of like inside and outside R35, I needed a limited company. So that was November. Um, and I literally, at that point, was like, well, I'll just find a contract, like six months, 12 months, normal thing, get paid a day rate, put the money through a limited company, takes a bit of salary off, it will be fine, it'll be great. But my first contract did come through till March. So got through December, there was... I was using LinkedIn quite heavily, still yeah. use LinkedIn heavily. I'm sure we'll talk about that in a bit. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I'll have some inquiries, some, you know, oh, we'd be interested in your services. But my problem was, is I, I understood what I wanted to do in learning and development, but learning and development is really broad. So it's like, can't just go out and say, I'm an L&D consultant because that's, it's far too broad. So I ended up, my very first contract was as a agile coach. Um, and that started in March. And I was like, oh, this is great. I've got a contract. Way amazing. Um, and that was my plan. That was me. This contract last September. I'll pick up another one in end of September and I'll just keep bouncing from contract to contract to contract. Yeah. That was the plan. There was no, there was no thought. Like I got the website set up. So I thought it'd be cool. I don't understand why. Like I'll just get a website. Then I was like, oh, I'll get an accountant to do all the number stuff because I'm, I'm horrendous at numbers, but so yeah, that'd be great. So I just jumped to the first accounts that I found. Oh, I need a business bank account. Oh, I just jumped to the first business bank account provider that I found. And that, that was pretty much my life. So I was like, I need debt rather than do my research. I was like, oh, I'll just grab that. That they'll do, they'll do, they'll do, they'll do. Got to the end of March and that conversation I mentioned just now about, do you know anybody? I was like, yeah, I do. And at this point I'd established a bit of a network on LinkedIn mm -hmm. and I was I had, I had enough connections across different pages to start things. So I put a post out on LinkedIn saying, oh, I need, I can't remember what the exact job title was, but I need this person to do this, but this is long and it's this much. And people started sending me their CVs and I was like, okay. And then at the start of April, I was interviewing people on Zoom. I'm like, what am I doing? What, like, how am I interviewing people? I know like, oh, do you know, I'm, 
a single mum and I'm trying to get back into the workplace. My husband is still serving in the military and it's been hard for me to get a career. So I think this would be hybrid working. And then I start again, the sofa plays a key part in my story. So I'll sat on the sofa the fuck with a couple of nights later. I'm like, there's an opportunity here where I can use the company that I've established as a mechanism to predominantly get veterans and spouses or partners, even veterans or serving personnel into the jobs market, into the consultancy market, and provide them that mechanism and quite frankly, to pay them properly in comparison yeah. to some of the, the, well, the massively in comparison to the big four consultancies. And we'll probably touch on that again in a minute. Um, so I got one person in and there I was, I was running a contract and I had somebody working on parts of MDA limited in the same space. And it literally snowballed from there. And yeah, like I said, to the point where we're now where we are, with the number of contracts we have, the number of consultants. I still have to pinch myself a little bit in the sense that so there's always that kind of feeling of, of imposter syndrome. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm, run, I'm running a business. That's fine. But I'm now, I'm now looking at office spaces. We've got, I'm not looking to have a permanent office space. We're redesigning our website. We're now looking at, um, sort of, for instance, Southeast Asia for contracts in Singapore. And I'm like, just take a breath, Mike. Just what are you doing? But I have to counter that with, I've always been a very, like, just do it type of person. If I get an idea, I won't think about it for very long. I'll just go with yeah. it because I'd rather it fail. But at least I try than not try it and be like, oh, I wonder if that would have worked. So yeah, but I had no idea. Even like to this, you know, on the podcast and Ben reached out to me and said, you want to be on a podcast? I'm like, why do people need to invite me on the podcast? And I was looking down to like some of the lists, some of the people you've interviewed and I'm like, what am I doing on being interviewed by somebody for a podcast? <laughs> and it comes back into that imposter syndrome piece as well. And you just, you never quite feel like you're in the right place because you're like, why am I here? So I think. Yeah. And honestly, I think that's a very typical thing. Um, of entrepreneurs or business owners. I mean, here I'm talking as a business owner and I wish I could say that that feeling ever goes away. For me, it's been six years and there are moments that I'm still like, the hell no, no, no. Why am I, why am I doing this? And who am I to do this? But I'm not really sure, you know, and it's been a career that I've built over the last 10, 12 years. Right. So it's, it's, I think it's something that is always going to stick with you, but it is very typical of entrepreneurs. And again, it's quite fascinating to listen to your story. So at this point, I think the question is quite natural. Would you say, just as a general um, judgment, let's say, or self-judgment, let's say, would you say that your transition was quite positive, old gods, fun times, or how would you actually evaluate it for yourself? I, th I think it's definitely positive. Um... I wouldn't necessarily describe it as fun as mine. Uh -huh. um, you know, as, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, as, as a new business, and at the moment, a small business owner, you find yourself, you have this idea in your mind when you set up, oh, I'm going to have all this free time and um, there's just going to be people working for me and oh. I just look at my bank balance and it's going to be amazing and I'm going to go to the Maldives and blah, 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 blah. You know, it was, it was late last year, I was in Tenerife with my family and every single day I was on the phone. Mm -hmm. Every single day. My kids are on the beach. My phone rings. I'm taking video calls on on the beach, and it was like my wife said, "We're on holiday." And I said, "Yeah, but if I don't answer these calls, there isn't anyone to answer these calls." Yeah. And the business isn't in a place at that point where I could just, "Oh, I'll get back to you." You know, a couple of those calls were for seven-figure contracts, and it's like if I hadn't picked up those calls, I wouldn't have got those contracts, and that's a lot of money. 
Um, and then so consultants really say something's happened and they're not going to be able to work for a couple of weeks. You have to deal with it. And I think while everything for me has been really positive, it's not all been fun, mm -hmm. but I think that the positivity comes out of the fact that I am working for myself and I am setting the tone for what I want to do. And I am going after the contract I want. I mean, the values and standards that I hold as a company are very particular. So, and I use them as a litmus test. So if I see a tender or a contract that's looking for a service, if the organization looking for that service doesn't align with the values and standards in my business, I don't touch them with a barge pole. I just refuse. Um, we've turned down, you know, multi-million down million pound contracts because there's been another consultancy there at the same time. And it's a shared project. And I've got zero interest in working with that organization because I don't believe in what they stand for yeah. and how they treat their people, particularly the veterans community. Um, so I just don't do it. And so it has been positive. The transition has been positive. It's been a really big learning curve. Um, you know, just thinking money in, money out, everything's great. But then as I kind of alluded to before, you know, the HR regulations, business, uh, buildings and regulations about buildings, um, GDPR regulations, having a website, I wanted an inquiry form, but there's going to be a data protection process in place and I've got to pay that. Um, and you know all this anyway, Rosie, from your experiences. It's a learn-as-you-go type experience. You know, it has, but if I went back and right on that day one on that sofa, if I was able magically to have a list in front of me saying, these are all the things you need to think about, I probably wouldn't have done it. Mm, yeah. I would have looked at that list and gone, ooh, and I would have started second-guessing myself. But I really like the fact that, you know, for, I use today as an example, because I'm having my website be done and it's being transitioned into a con content management site. There's other implications now. So my fee for renewing my domain name is going to increase. Well, I didn't think about it. So it's, but I love the fact that that's happening, whereas other people go, one thing after another. I like that one thing after another feeling because it's forcing me to just to keep cracking on because I can't just stop. Whereas if I'd have known everything at the beginning, I probably would have not started. No, it is really that entrepreneurial attitude. And it is a certain level of mindset that you need to have if you have your own business, even if you are a freelancer eventually. I mean, clearly there are two different things, but I do know a lot of people that are freelancer and, and they struggle with your instability in terms of income, not having a fixed salary and all of that. And then you kind of wonder, well, why did you go into it? And why do you keep on being into it if it makes you feel that bad, right? So. There has to be a certain level of madness, I always say, at um, having a business. I, the, the kind of imagery that I use all the time is, it feels like you are on a roller coaster operated by a drunken man. So, yes, I can, I can relate. And it is good to give that reality check, I think, for a lot of people that might not expect that that's what it is, right? And you talked about consultancy. You talked about the opportunities that there are. Tell us a little bit more about that, because I think it is one of those, don't want to say trendy words, but there's a lot of talks right now around consultancy and what people can do with it. So what would you say are actually the opportunities, especially for veterans, clearly? Yeah. So I think from a consultancy perspective, there's, you know, the market's been quite interesting in the year and a bit that I've been in and around it. Obviously, last couple of weeks from a technical perspective of all the layoffs that Google have made, that's flooded the market with a lot of really talented people. So it'll be interested to see how the market plays over the next six to 12 months. But the market's still strong anyway. And what I'll be quite honest about it. What got me into consultancy was quite frankly the money. You know, my very first contract yeah. was 
was 450 pounds a day in yeah. five days a week for six months. That's a massive amount of money. You know, for someone who left the army, Reels on 46 and a half thousand pounds a year, the year I left the army, which is still good money. You know, I was comfortable on the holidays, but 450 pounds a day, you know, that's like two and a half thousand pounds a week, give or take. Yes, it's, and for me as a limited company, it belongs to the company and the set of processes, of course, yeah, but it doesn't change the, doesn't change the fact that it's still a lot of money. So there are opportunities there because what you tend to find is what I find in world corporate is quite a little bit. A lot of organizations, particularly in the sectors that I operate within, are more keen to reach into the consultancy and the contractor market rather than the permanent staff because they want an immediate fix of SME knowledge rather than to have to bring somebody in to then train them up and do all that sort of stuff. So as a consultant or as a contractor, you're expected in many cases to parachute into that organization, instantly hit the ground running and then start whatever it is they need you to do. And I think as from a military, from a veteran's perspective, that works for a lot of veterans that I know, and it particularly works for myself because we're used to that idea of just being inserted into a situation to find the solution. Better to think on our feet. Um, we're expected to come up with answers pretty quickly and coherently in a professional manner, which is why I think you find a lot of veterans. I want to say, in fact, I can't I'll change that. A certain percentage of veterans are more keen on that because they've had a, a period of time where they've been in the military system and they've had to abide by a certain set of rules and they've got to stay in their box because of whatever their rank is, regardless of the experience they've got. Their rank slides as they're a corporal, so they need to behave like a corporal and all that nonsense. Whereas that same corporal who comes out of the military with loads of knowledge, signals, intelligence, or whatever it is, is all of a sudden in a position where they can earn 600 pounds a day and the company's going to listen to them. And that, that's the strength for the consultancy market. There are opportunities everywhere. You only have to go on the job boards on LinkedIn yeah. just to see the sheer number of opportunities that are out there. Yeah, and you just mentioned LinkedIn. Let's talk about that because you talked about how that was a tool for you to grow your personal brand because that's what it is. So how did that work? And what would you say to somebody who wants maybe to put themselves out there after they left on LinkedIn, of course? Yeah, so so I jumped in. So I was already on LinkedIn and I've been on it five years, but it was kind of, you know, when you have an app on your phone and you download it for the first time, it's still there and you're never quite sure why. That was LinkedIn with me and I had like, I was randomly liking stuff or whatever, but it didn't serve a purpose for me in the military at the time. And then once I decided I was going to go on my own and set up a company, obviously LinkedIn at its core is a, is a B2B networking tool. Yeah. So I was like, well, this is, this is everything. So then I started doing everyone does following LinkedIn influencers, how to set up your brand and establish this and establish that, which most, of, most of which is complete nonsense. Oh. Um, like, oh, follow my 12 steps to set up your business. So, and the next, first question I have on my mouth, what business did you set up? Because nine times out of 10, they've never done it. Yeah. And I was, I, was, I was talking to somebody about this the other day and I was saying LinkedIn influencers, like Instagram influencers, everything's shiny and fabulous, but it's shiny and fabulous because they're selling the bullshit. And it's all the paper, you know, there's, I used to follow a, a big influencer, business influencer, and she was charging... She, I did pay, thankfully, but she was charging like £5,000 a month to small businesses for like, I can, I can, what was she doing? Oh, professional content and content schedules and all this sort of stuff. And when you dig into it and when you find out that it's just the generic shit that she sells to everybody else. Yeah. On Tuesday at four minutes past six, put the post out about this. Shut up. Anyway, sorry, I digress. 
That's fine. I actually have a whole podcast about that. I'm going to plug myself, actually, we just complain about that. So, you know, maybe next time you come on that podcast, Pike, oh. then we complain together about it. <laughs> Rosie, I'll bring my soapbox and I'll complain about the quotes. If any, and if anyone does find my page or link to every other day, I'm taking shots at those people. Yeah. Uh, it's ridiculous. But anyway, so yeah. Got into LinkedIn, set up a business page on LinkedIn, LinkedIn, my personal page, and I was trying to just randomly posting stuff. But my my purpose for LinkedIn, because I the plan was just for me to get into contracting consultants, consultants, was just to use the job support. Yeah. And that's fundamentally what I did. So that first four weeks from setting up the business, I think I sent out my CV to somewhere between 200 and 300 opportunities on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I had to, because I was like, I didn't really, at that point, I didn't really know what I was doing. I was like, that's red, it's red, send, 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 send. And then one of those things came, came up, which is that contract that started at March, which I'm, I'm still good friends with the guy that hired me. His trust in this random bloke that was bugging him on LinkedIn established the start of the business, which is great. That was that. And then I was like, well, I've got, I've got a contract now. What do I do with LinkedIn? And then what should I do with it? And then I went down the road of, well, what's my brand? What is it that, I need LinkedIn for what is, what message am I putting out there about my business? Yeah. And as with any entrepreneur, regardless of the sector you're in, you have to work out what your niche is, what your USP mm-hmm. is. Because particularly in contracting and consultancy, because there's consultancies and limited companies everywhere. Yeah. So I very, very quickly decided to start advertising myself as an anti-consultancy. <laughs> I love that. So... All the bullshit you get from the big four consultancies, I won't name them, but people listening to this podcast know what I'm talking about. They've all got shareholders. They've all got profit margins. They pay their people bollocks money. You know, they're, they're paying them 400 pounds a day when they're actually charging the customer 2,000 pounds a day. It was fucking disgusting. Um, so I was like, yeah, go, go be a big four consultancy and get shafted or come to MDA Limited and okay. get professional service that our values and standards means to us. And was that's the fact I'll come back half a sec. So what we don't do as a business is we don't advertise our client. So we right. won't go on LinkedIn and say, oh, we've just signed an agreement, whoever, to, to provide this. We just don't do it. Mm-hmm. Because from our perspective, using LinkedIn from a business perspective is, it's not about us, it's about our client. And the only reason organizations will plaster who they're working with on social media is to make themselves look amazing. Yeah. And also from what we do from an LDP, so a lot of the contracts we have are going in and fixing issues, but for organizations, because the last thing you want to, want to do is advertise on a social media page that that company's hired you knowing full well what it is you do. People go, oh, they're having problems. They needed to bring somebody in. So that's, that LinkedIn started to grow and grow and grow. And then I started to separate the personal and the business page. So what I then spent yeah. my business from my personal page now is you know random ideas so i put a post up not too, a couple of days ago about how i got a delivery for master and they didn't take the security tab off my gin so i could open my gin yeah and i because i'm meant i was like that reminds me of when you go to a consultancy and they don't listen to what you want they just interpret what you need so i made some random post about that went off and it was great very good but the crux of it is to answer your second point Anyone who's looking to transition out of the military, regardless of what job in history you think you're going to do, step do you're going to work in, whatever it is you're going to do, LinkedIn needs to play a key part because it's pretty much a guarantee that the organization you're thinking of targeting to work with for 
have got a LinkedIn presence. Say something I always say to people is you say you want to go and work for let's think of a random company. Coca Cola is not Coca Cola from. You want to go work for Coca Cola? They're going to have a LinkedIn page. So, but the advantage with LinkedIn is you can go on their page and find all their employees. Yeah. They can find their recruitment manager. There you go. Be a nuisance, be a pest. Hi, my name's Mike. I'm I'm about to leave the military. I've got experience in this. I understand you at Coca Cola are looking for this. Um, please send a message or a copy of my CV. I'll be really keen on having a conversation. Done. Take use LinkedIn to facilitate your transition out of the military because it's single handedly one of the best tools out there to use. Whether it's you're going into contracting, whether you're going into permanent roles, you've got to got to use it. But I'll caveat that. Ignore all the fucking bullshit on there about seven steps to success and only post one content post in the morning at this time and it's got to be so many characters. Post a picture of your dog. It's shit. Just ignore it completely. Gosh. I mean, again, I'm a marketeer and all of this just makes me cringe. I'm like, who the hell gives this kind of advice? So, man, gosh, whew, that's that's really painful. But, you know, it, it is a very good point that you're making and... I guess one of the things that comes up quite often when we talk about LinkedIn in general, it is also an opportunity just to grow your network, right? And mm -hmm. to find a community because we've had very recently um, on one of the episodes we were talking, well, with somebody who was actually a consultant within ex-mail recruitment now. He got hired very quickly after that he left the military and we were talking with him and he grew his following or community or LinkedIn, whatever you want to call it very, very quickly. And it was not meant, or it was not something that he was looking for. It just happened because he started to be extremely relatable about what he went through. And yeah. that can be so powerful, I think for veterans just to realize, Hey, I'm not the only one going through this right now. There's a whole community of people going through the same, and there's a whole community of people that have been through it and have been so successful at it. And sometimes, you know, it is good not to just be on your own and just focus on the negative things or the fear. Because I, I, I always say clearly, I've not been through it myself, but I imagine it is quite daunting to have that feeling of I'm going to be leaving now this security, this camaraderie, this environment that has been there for me for such a long time and now jump into this unknown whatever it is and figure out maybe my skill set figure out what it, the hell is gonna be my next step you know so maybe yeah. having that sort of a um connection i guess on linkedin could be an opportunity even if you're not somebody because i also know there are a lot of people i see that with my clients there are a lot of people that just don't feel very comfortable or they they are introverts maybe they'd be shyer people they don't have that thing say i'm just gonna go ahead and write a post about this and that like you were telling right but maybe they can still connect with somebody like you, with other people that have been through it. And that can lead to something, right? Yeah, it definitely can. And I think the biggest point there is the fact that what you tend to find in the veterans community is not always, but predominantly veterans trust veterans. You know, regardless of the service, regardless of the cat badge you're in, there's the shared identity. And you hit the nail on the head on the point you said that for a lot of individuals leaving the military, and I can only really speak from an army perspective, but some of those individuals join the army 16, 17, 18 years old, and it, they're in, in some instances in their late thirties, early forties, where they're now venturing out to the job market. So for 20 plus years of their lives, they've had, you know, I don't mean in a flippant way where this is really basic as this, they've had all the meals done for them. They've had, they, they need more care, they just turn up there. They've got free dental, they, you know, they need an appointment, they just go and get it. They get rail cards, they get this, that, and the other. 
And it's a, it's a scary, scary thing for some people. It really, really is. The networking on LinkedIn is key to that. Particularly, there's a military network now called the Gender Network, which I'm I'm really active in. Um, so for any of your listeners who are on who are veterans or looking to transition out, find the Gender Network on on LinkedIn and, and get on there because it's seven thousand plus members, predominantly veterans, predominantly it's like people will be like, oh, does anyone know how to use my enhanced learning credits? Can I use this? And there's people straight away. One of the guy that runs it, a guy called Chris Shaw, will be like, oh, speak to this person. They're the yeah. expert. And straight away, people are getting answers because veterans trust veterans. Um, and that that's, if, if you don't use LinkedIn for anything else, you don't use it for job hunting on it, then just use it for that capability because in that mini network within the wider, you're going to find the expertise in there, whether it's, you know, I've had conversations I want to start up a business. Oh. Have you got 20 minutes? Yeah, of course I have, mate. Let's jump on a call. What did you do? How much did it cost? What website did you go to? Bing, 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 bing. And it, or it could be something longer, you know, going to an event, having an hour-long conversation with somebody about what to ignore in your resettlement, what, you know, the realistic circumstances about what you're going to actually earn leaving. You're not actually worth that. You're actually worth this. So, you know, and that's, and that's part of it. It is scary for people, and I was really fortunate. I think my mentality is I just go for stuff, um, and I, I don't really slow down enough to worry about how scary something is. I just kind of go with it. But there are people on the other side of the, of one of the bags of the spectrum to me really have to think through a process. But if you can establish your network, LinkedIn or however else, some of those fears will be mitigated because you're able to dip into loans and knowledge to people that are really willing to help you out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it, I think, again, like, it's it's great advice that you're giving there. And, Mike, I could talk to you all day. But we've, uh, we've gotten pretty much to the end of this episode. So one of the things that I often ask to our guests is, what is that one shout-out message that you would just share with any veteran that maybe is just leaving? Or maybe they already left and they're going through a little bit of a change in their career. What would you say to them? What is the best advice that you could share with them, maybe if they want to start their own business or even, again, if they just want to, they're considering maybe a career in consultancy or what would you say? I think it would be, it sounds like anti-advice, but I, I've mentioned this to a few people before. Ask for people's opinions, reach out to people that have done it, you know, read articles, blogs, all that sort of good stuff, but treat it as it is, which is just advice. And that worked for that person in their context, in their situation. You know, I, I always say with my children, I don't care what my children do as long as they make an informed decision. And the only way they can make an informed decision is by having as much information as they possibly can. So as a veteran, regardless of where you are, about to leave in the process of leaving, career change after leaving, absorb as much information as you can, but then remember it's your decision. And whatever you decide to do is the right decision because it's you. It's not, don't do something just because Mike had this experience and it was awesome for him. It worked for me. It might not work for you. Trust your instincts, trust your gut, and just go for it. And if it doesn't work, that's cool. Just reassess, reevaluate, learn from what happens and apply it to the next thing. It's not one shot and you're done. Just keep going after it and something will play out for you. Yeah, I think it was a song that said, dust yourself up and try again, right? Again, yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Thank you so much, Mike, for being with me today. I really appreciated our conversation. And that's it. Thank you so much. And maybe I'll see you next time on another podcast. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Thank you so much for, for having me, Rose. It's been great. My pleasure. Bye.
Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. And hey, remember to subscribe to our podcast to never miss any new releases and to share it with other veterans within your community. If you want to connect with the XMIL team, please visit our website, www.ex-mil.co.uk or you can just connect with us on our LinkedIn page. Thank you so much and see you next time.